Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna, like that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Ray Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm and fuzzy hello. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. Danny Burke, he does a great job hosting the show Rush Hour for the Vegas Asset Information Network. He also does the show every weekend out there in the city of Chicago on 790 AM. Bet on Chicago. He also does the Chicago City Cast for Bet Rivers and the Vegas Ads and Information Network. We're going to be chatting with him about the postseason races and how it might be better to do a little bit of a, like a rollover mentality when it comes to betting on futures at this point of the baseball season. If you have yet to get in on futures rather than just trying to take a team outright, you give yourself a little bit of added protection. We've also got one Chicago team in action with the Chicago White Sox. Myself and he are not necessarily too bullish on the pitching matchup today for the Chicago White Sox, so we're going to be talking about that. Then in the final segment, a little bit of a shorter slate today, but going to give you guys a side in total on every game on the betting board for this Monday and a little something like to call touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If you've got one of two ways we offer those in, 
First one is my Twitter timeline, at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're both firing whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not mind getting in any Twitter questions today, but we had a great day of baseball on Sunday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. We lead off with the team seemingly every day because this team just does not lose. How about the St. Louis Cardinals now having a super sweet 16? 4-2, they take down the Chicago Cubs. So for those of you guys that want to taking the run like much like myself, they want to be getting the job done there. Pair of home runs in this one. Harrison Bader, 15th home run season. That was a big one in the eighth inning off of Rowan Wick. Paul Goldschmidt gets his 31st home run season. That came off of Keegan Thompson, who winds up giving up that solo home run. One run in total over the course of three innings. Edbert Alzale was pretty much a bulk guy. Three and two-thirds innings scoreless. Scott Efrost got an out of the bullpen, but then Cody Hoyer, who has recently been doing a bad job after he wound up having a very good start to his Cubs career. He gives up two runs in an inning, and Rowan Wick winds up giving up that solo run in his inning of work for the Chicago Cubs. One of nine with men in scoring position. They strand 10 men on base, and Mike Schultz wound up getting a with like two outs in the ninth inning. That was absolutely hilarious. But the Woodford, Jake Woodford, a solid start, giving up two runs over the course of five and a third innings. Adam Miller gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen along Genesis Cabrera. And then Cody Whitley was able to give you one and a third innings out of the bullpen. And Giovanni Gallegos closes things out in the ninth inning as the St. Louis Cardinals now 87 and 69. And in the time span in which they've gotten 16 straight wins, well, the Padres have had a few fewer wins than that as they are now 11-28 and 28 in their last 39 games, and they're pretty much out of postseason contention. 4-3, to three, the Atlanta Braves take down the Slam Diego Padres as for the Atlanta Braves. Jack Peterson was able to get his 17th home run the campaign. That comes off of Joe Musgrove, who was able to lend a relatively solid start in this one, giving up three runs over the course of five innings. For Padres standards at this point, that's really good. Nabel Krismet was able to give you two scoreless settings. Ross Etweiler a scoreless setting, and Pierce Johnson takes a loss, giving up a run and an inning for the Padres. They strand 13 men on base. Murphy's Law has really hit this team as for the Atlanta Braves. It was a full-on bullpen game. You did not wind up having a bulk guy in this one. Jesse Chavez, Drew Smiley. Pitcher first three innings combined scoreless. Jacob Webb gives up three runs in one and two-thirds innings. Then A.J. Minter gives you it out of the bullpen. Richard Rodriguez, Luke Jackson. They combine for two scoreless settings. Tyler Mazza gives you a scoreless setting. Will Smith gets jiggy with it. He gets a save. He gets a scoreless setting for the Padres. They were the beneficiaries of the Braves, going just 2 of 14 with men in scoring position, but still, they were unable to get the job done out there in the National League West, in my opinion, the best division race that is still going. The Dodgers were able to maintain pace with the San Francisco Giants. The Giants wound up winning on Sunday, and so did the Dodgers, as the Dodgers now have 100 total wins. 3-0, to zero, they wind up taking down the years and the Diamondbacks are 50-106 and 106 as Humberto Mejia. Well, teams that he started for have now lost six or eight games. He winds up giving up three runs over the course of two and two-thirds innings. All solo shots going deep for the Dodgers. Corey Seager, not once but twice. 11th and 12th home runs of the season. And Trey Turner down for what? His 25th home run season, 100th of his career. From there, the bullpen was actually really good. You wind up having Taylor Clippard, Taylor Widener, J.B. Wendelkin, I'll give you a scoreless inning. Sean Pop and Joe Manette typically combined for a scoreless inning. Caleb Smith, two and a third inning scoreless, but for the Arizona Diamondbacks, 0 of 8 with men in scoring position. They strand 10 men on base, and Udio Arias now has 13 road wins, 19 wins in total. Both of those lead the league. Five scoreless innings. Justin Brule, 
Joe Kelly, Corey Knable, Kenley Jansen all give you a scoreless inning. So the Dodgers get the job done. And the San Francisco Giants, they were tied 2-2 with the Colorado Rockies going into the ninth inning. They put up a four spot in the ninth to be able to get the W by a count of 6-2 as Brandon Crawford goes deep for his 23rd home run of the campaign in the ninth inning off of Tyler Kinley as the Colorado Rockies got a pretty solid start out of Antonio Sensatello, giving up two runs over the course of six innings. Lucas Gilbreth, Robert Stevenson combined for a scoreless inning. Ulysses Chasin gives you a scoreless inning, and then Daniel Barr gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. Kinley gives up that home run, and for the Colorado Rockies, C.J. Crone gets his 28th home run of the season, 19th in Coors Field. That comes off of Kevin Gosman, who gives up that solo home run over the course of six innings. Looked very good in this one, giving up one run in six innings in Coors. That'll get the job done along with 11 punch-outs. Jose Alvarez gives up a run while getting just one out, but Zach Liddell gets a pair of outs on the bullpen, and then Camilio Duvall and Kervin Castro. Scoreless things for the San Francisco Giants as they now have 102 wins. It is absolutely ridiculous to take a look at that. The American League wild card is very fascinating right now as the Yankees and the Red Sox are jockeying for those wild card spots. The Yankees now find themselves with that first wild card spot though because they wind up sweeping the Boston Red Sox, taking them down six to three on Sunday night baseball. Jordan Montgomery, a very solid start, giving up one run over the course of five innings. Clay Holmes and Aralda Chapman both give you a scoreless saying Chad Green, one and two-thirds inning scoreless. Joey Rodriguez did give up two runs, only one of which was earned. It was hurt by a pair of errors by DJ LeMay who along Joey Gallo, but John Carlos Sen. Now 14 home runs in the last 31 games for the New York Yankees. His 34th of the season. That winds coming off of Adam Adovino after Eduardo Rodriguez lent a pretty solid start, giving up two runs over the course of five innings. Adam Adovino winds giving up those two runs. Did not get it out. Garrett Richards gives up Two runs in one and a third innings. Ryan Brazier, five outs out of the bullpen without giving up a run. And Ansel Robles, a scoreless inning himself. But for the Red Sox, two of 11th men in scoring position. And for the Boston Red Sox, just not a lot doing on offense in this series. Three runs in all three games. So give credit to the Yankees pitching. Give credit to the Seattle Mariners as well. This is a bunch as now 15-4 and four in their last 19 row games. They take down Joey Otani and company by a count of 5-1, but this loss is not on Joey Otani. He got 10 strikeouts. He gave up one runner over the course of seven innings. You really can't ask for much more than that. And then the bullpen lit this game on fire. Jose Cuijada is a hot mess out of the bullpen for the scene. Gives up two runs in a third of an inning. Austin Warren, he winds up not getting a single out. Gives up two runs, one of which was earned. He was hurt by a fielding error by Jared Walsh. From there, Sam Selman gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. You get a scoreless inning out of A.J. Ramos, the former New York Met. And for the Angels, blown form of offense, Kurt Suzuki. Sixth home run of the campaign that comes off of one of Monaco Gonzalez, who has now allowed three runs or fewer in 13 out of his last 14 starts, giving up that sole run over the course of seven innings. Paul Sewell, Diego Castillo, they close the door from there. And Jerry Kelnick, we all remember the bad start he got off to this season. He got the lone run off of Shohei Otani, a solo shot, 14th of the season in the seventh inning. So the Seattle Mariners maintain pace. They're just two games out of that second American League wildcard spot. The Blue Jays are one game out. They wind up taking down the Minnesota Twins on Sunday by a count of 5-2. to two. They were able to get a lot out of Alec Manoa in this one as Manoa what? He was pretty solid, giving up two runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings. He did allow a home run to Byron Buxton, 16th home run of the season, but Griffin Jacks got jacks up in this one. Giving up four runs, two bombs over the course of five innings. He's now allowed 16 home runs in his last 10 starts. Going deep for the Blue Jays. George Springer, 19th home run of the season. Danny Jansen, his ninth. Tim Mazza, Adam Simber, both give you a scoreless inning. And Jordan Romano gets the final four outs of the game. And for the Minnesota Twins, they've actually ranked in the top five with regards to bullpen ERA over the last 30 days. Caleb Theobar, scoreless inning. You had 
Mr. Garza Jr. Ralph Garza Jr. gave up a run in an inning, but Nick Vincent, two scoreless innings. Problem was, Jags wound up just not giving you anything whatsoever. Speaking of not giving you anything whatsoever, that would be the offense of our good friends of Washington Nationals, as the Cincinnati Reds get a 9-2 win against the Nats as for Mr. Josh Rogers, it was his worst start of the year, giving up three runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings, including a pair of homers. Ryan Harper from there, who wound up having a really good start to the year. He now is north of a four ERA. He gave up four runs in an inning. If you take a look at it in his last 30 days, now is a 7.88 ERA. Sean Nolan from there, two and a third innings, giving up two runs for the Washington Nationals. 0 of 10 with men in scoring position as Tyler Molly, who entered in this game with an ERA hovering right around 6 at home. He winds up giving up one unearned run over the course of six innings, hurt by a pair of fielding errors by Jonathan India, but Amir Garrett has scoreless inning. Jeff Hoffman gives up a run in inning, and Dory Moretta was able to give you a scoreless inning. As for the Cincinnati Reds, you wind up having Nick Cassianos go deep for his 32nd home run of the season, Kyle Farmer's 16th, and then the 10th for Tyler Stevenson. So the Reds, their slim playoff hopes, they wind up remaining alive. The slim playoff hopes of the Oakland A's wind up remaining still vibrant as they take down the Houston Astros and they sweep them by kind of 4-3 to three for the Astros. They just had no offense in this series as they wound up scoring a combined six runs and they have now scored three runs or fewer in each out of their last five games. A little bit stunning for an Astros offense that is as explosive as they are, but they were able to get a home run off the bat of Alex Bregman. One home run season and for Jake Odorizzi. Not a lot of length, but it wasn't too bad of a start. Gives up one run over the course of four innings. Christian Javier from there winds up giving up two runs in two and two-thirds innings. Was able to get five strikeouts, but still, the run's not great. Ryan Sanek gives up a run in one and a third innings. Phil Maton was able to give you an out of the bullpen, but then Ryan Presley comes in the ninth inning. He allows the walk-off hit in this one as you wind up having the Oakland A's be able to get a walk-off winner off the bat of Mark Canna to be able to get it done. No home runs for this team, but they do wind up going three of 12 men in scoring position, and Paul Blackburn, a solid start, giving up one run over the course of five innings. Deolis Carrera gives up two runs while getting two outs out of the bullpen, but he has Meadow Petit. Winds up giving you one and a third inning scoreless. Andrew Chafin, Lou Trevino, both give you a scoreless inning. This for an Oakland A's team that entered into Sunday with a 5.49 ERA at the bullpen in their last three days. That's third worst in the big leagues. That's right there with the Washington Nationals and the Baltimore Orioles. Speaking of the Orioles, Another bad showing for them. They wind up losing to the Texas Rangers by a count of 7-4. For the Rangers, an offense that had scored three runs or fewer, nine out of their last 10 games. They get a home run off the bat of Andy Ibanez off of John Means. Seventh home run season for Mr. Means. Gives up three runs over the course of five innings. And then the bullpen, well, they did not do their job. Connor Green gives up two runs and got two outside the bullpen. Eric Handel, he gives up a run in one and a third innings. Fernando Abadi continues to be very abad, giving up a run in an inning. And Tom Eshelman was able to give you a scoreless inning. Pair of home runs for the Orioles in this one. As Anthony Santander gets her done off of Dane Gitter Dunning, his 18th home run season. And then you wind up having Pedro Severino get his 11th home run season. That comes off of Kobe Allard in. Kobe Allard is on an absolutely amazing streak right now. As he has given up a home run in 11 consecutive appearances. He winds up giving up two runs in two-thirds of an inning. This guy has just been a human pinata at this point. Joe Barlow winds up getting the final up for a save. Dennis Satan, a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Jarrell Cotton has actually been good out of the bullpen. One and two-thirds inning scoreless over the last three days. He's got like a two ERA. Spencer Patton, a scoreless inning. And then Mr. Gitter Dunning, four and two-thirds innings, giving up two runs, including one of those homers. And for the Texas Rangers, Four of 11 with Ben in scoring position. So they got the W there. The White Sox go on the road and they take down the Cleveland Indians by a count of 5-2. For the White Sox, no home runs, but 
despite leaving 13 men on base, they go 4 of 14 with men in scoring position, and Lucas Giolito, one of his better starts of the year. Six scoreless innings. From there, you do wind up having Craig Kimbrell give up a run in an inning. Michael Kopech gives up a run in just a third of an inning, but Garrett Crochet got a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and Liam Hendricks is 36th save of the season. As for the Cleveland Indians, they go just 2 of 9 with men in scoring position. Harold Ramirez, not the other Ramirez, and Jose Ramirez gets his seventh home run season, and for Tristan McKenzie, not what he was hoping for in this one. Last two starts have been rocky for him after he really looked good coming out of the All-Star break. Two and a third innings. Gives up three runs, all of which were in. Bullpen from there was really solid. Justin Garza gives up a run in two innings of work. Blake Parker gives up a run in an inning, but Logan Allen was able to give you a scoreless setting. Nick Wicker and five outs out of the bullpen. And Anthony Goss was able to give you a scoreless setting as well. You got a lot of scoreless settings from both the Marlins and the Rays, but the Rays prevail by a count of three to two as it was Shane Boz making his second career start. Five and two-thirds innings scoreless. This guy is absolutely amazing. He is one of the best up-and-coming pitchers in all baseball, in my opinion. Josh Fleming, one and a third innings scoreless. JT Chargois, Nick Anderson, both give up a run in an inning, including Anderson giving up his run via a solo home run to Luan Diaz, his seventh home run season. And for Asus Lazardo, it has not been good since he wound up coming over to Miami, north of a 70-yard. Wasn't terrible in this one. Not a lot of length, though. Gives up two runs over the course of four innings. Zach Pop gives up a run in an inning, but you wind up having Anthony Bass and Stephen O'Kurt combined for two scoreless innings, and Dylan Flora was able to give you a scoreless inning as well, but for the Tampa Bay Rays, just too much great pitching in this one. They get yet another one now of 97 out there in the American League leading the way with that regard. Also leading the way is the Milwaukee Brewers in regards to just being able to get W's on the road. This one was at home, though. They wind up taking down the New York Mets 8-4 to the final. For the Metropolitans, they did get a home run of the bat of Francisco Lindor. He finally shaped up, but it's a little bit too late as they're now eliminated from postseason contention. 18th home run season. That comes off of Freddie Peralta, who's not necessarily looked like himself since coming off the injured list. Has now given up at least three runs in four out of his five starts since coming off the injured list. Had given up two runs or fewer in 14 out of his last 16 starts. He gives up four runs in total over the course of five and a third innings, including that homer. But then from there, Aaron Ashby, Devin Williams, Josh Hader, I'll give you a scoreless setting, and Brent Suter, pair of outs out of the bullpen for, for the Brewers. Willie Adamas is back in the fold, and he wound up getting a bomb off of one Carlos Carrasco, his 24th home run season. For Mr. Carrasco, he winds up giving up five runs over the course of four innings. Miguel Castro, Ethan Embry, Brad and I'll give you a scoreless setting, and then Jersich Familia, Spanish for blown save, gives up a run in a third of an inning, and Aaron Loop was able to give you a pair of outs of the bullpen. Not a lot of offense in this one. Kansas City Royals wind up taking down the Detroit Tigers by a count of 2-1. to one. Crystal with a K. Bubich has actually been a top 10 pitcher with regards to making you money if you bet $100 on the money line of him. Seven scoreless signings in this one. Josh Shamount gives you a scoreless signing. Scott Barlow winds up giving up a run in his inning of work. And for the Royals, they do wind up leaving 11 men on base, but they went 3-12 with men in scoring position. Willie Peralta was in barrel in a lot of this game. He gives up 8 hits. Three walks, but only two runs, both of which were earned over the course of his four and two-thirds innings. Joey Menace, one and third inning scoreless. Brian Garcia, scoreless inning. And Derek Holland, pair of scoreless innings, but for the Detroit Tigers, just one of five with men in scoring position. Not a lot doing for them, although they are 42 and 36 since the All-Star break, so they've been really rock solid there. Also rock solid has been the Philadelphia Phillies whenever they've taken down the Pittsburgh Pirates, but that was not the case on Sunday. 6-0, the Pirates wind up getting the WS. Max Karanik was able to give you five scoreless innings. Jason Shreve, David Bernard, Nick Mears, Chris Ryan. I'll give you a scoreless inning from there. And Cole Tucker, ding dong, the witch is dead. He winds up getting his first home run of the campaign as the Phillies, well, with the bullpen game, as it wound up being Mr. Hans Kraus. What he's doing starting a game for a Phillies team looking to get into the postseason, I have no idea, but he gives up that solo home run. 
to Tucker as he winds up giving up just that one run over the course of three innings. From there, you wind up having Mr. Christopher Sanchez give you two scoreless innings. Cameron Durgeon gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, but then Jose Alvarado gives up two runs in one and a third innings. You wind up having Roman Russo give up a run in inning, and Ado Nice Medina winds up giving up two runs in his inning of work. So that was that great. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, Six total hits in this one, and they were unable to do anything with them. So that was a little bit of brutality on that front. And if you're looking at brutality, that would be if you've just been taking a lot of favorites recently. As we have really seen the underdogs have a nice run recently. Because if you're looking for the season, favorites are 1,367 and 938. So hitting at a rate of about 59.3% in home teams. 1,244 and 1,084, hitting at a 53.4% clip. And overs and unders have been relatively equal. Seeing a couple more unders so far this year, 1,118 to 1,097. But you take a look at the favorites over the last 30 days, and it has not necessarily been going great for them as favorites hitting at a clip of about 56.9%, 228 and 173. Home teams have been doing really bad. 196 and 211, so over the last 30 days, Home teams have a losing record in this time span. Unders have been dominating overs a little bit. 200 unders, 184 overs, so hitting at a little bit over 52%, according to our good friends at Covers. If you're looking over the last seven days, unders have been hitting at a rate of about 53.7%, 51 and 44 favorites in the science fan, just 53 and 43. So, hitting a little bit over 55%. And home teams have been brutally bad at 42 and 55. So, that's what we're all seeing in baseball right now. And that's what we wound up seeing on Sunday. Now, let's turn the page forward to where the value might be with regards to the futures market. And it might be just going series by series, game by game. We're going to be talking about that with Danny Burke of the Vegas Heads and Information Network. Also, it is a small slate on Monday, but we're going to get his thoughts on some of these games, including the big one involving the Chicago White Sox. So, our chat with Danny Burke of the Vegas Heads and Information Network comes at you next right here on the Baseball Bidding Podcast with myself, Jake Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. Everybody here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is great to be joined by our guest as this man does a terrific work over there with the Vegas Sets and Information Network as he is the host of Rush Hour. You're able to catch this central time because he is out there in the great city of Chicago, Illinois from 5 to 6. If you're looking Pacific time, that is 3 to 4. And if you're looking Eastern time, that is 6 to 7 on VSIN. You're able to get VSIN on Fubo TV, YouTube TV, list goes on and on. Also on Watch Marquee. He also does the Chicago City Cast with Bet Rivers as well. And then he also does the show Bet on Chicago, which you're able to hear every Saturday from 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time. That is on AM 890 as we've got Danny Burke on the podcast. You're able to follow Danny on Twitter at Danny Burke and then the number five. And Danny, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, Greg. Excited to, you know, get ready for some postseason baseball here. It's been quite the up and down season, I guess. Been very volatile depending on where you're looking at these divisions. I guess not in terms of the division leaders, but, you know, that's just the ebbs and flows of baseball season. And obviously, Greg, now it gets crazier heading to the postseason. But it's been fun and it's been a while since we've talked. So I'm excited. Thanks for having me. It is great to have you aboard, and as we both know, there's going to be one Chicago team that's going to be playing baseball past October 3rd, and there's one team that is not. The one that you wound up having not go to the postseason is the Chicago Cubs, and they're coming off a sweep of the St. Louis Cardinals, who have won 16 straight games, and how do you gauge this team 
going into the final week of the regular season into the postseason because it certainly is a tricky spot for the Cardinals because despite all this great work that they've done, it could all be undone in one game because they're at this point going to be playing the Dodgers in that one game wild card. If the Dodgers wind up catching the San Francisco Giants, it is going to be the Giants, but you know that the Cardinals are going to be an underdog in that game, but this is a team that they're really rocking and rolling right now. So I think it's going to be really intriguing to bet this team the next week. And then obviously into that one game wild card as well. Greg, I'm incredibly salty with this Cardinals team. First of all, I'm so torn because it's the unbiased baseball fan to me. I, I tip my cap to St. Louis, right? Because what they've been able to do is insanely impressive. But the Cubs fan in me and the better in me is just absolutely ticked off because I had the ticket or I had a ticket for the Cardinals to win the NL Central for a little bit of plus money. And of course, they're not going to win the NL Central, but they go on this incredible run at the end of the regular season, like they always seem to do every single year. And you and I have talked about this many a times. And now they're going to find themselves in the postseason. But of course, I'm not going to cash my ticket because it's usually just them making me mad, you know, as a veteran, especially as a Cubs fan. So they found a way to do it perfectly. Yeah, we're going to make the playoffs, but we're going to make sure you don't win your bet. It's, it's just it's uncanny with me and the Cardinals. But look, Greg, at the end of the day, what they've been able to do has been amazing and insanely impressive and clutch at the end. Do I have faith with them against the Dodgers? I don't. And I think what it comes down to is going to be this bullpen and this offense at the end of the day, right? I mean, you know, what the Cardinals have been able to do, again, very impressive. But, you know, this little back half of the schedule, they've been able to take advantage of some of these inferior teams. I mean, the Brewers, you know, taking four against Milwaukee, nothing, you know, that we can't take credit for. I mean, that's fantastic. Good for you beating Milwaukee. But, you know, they all but had the division wrapped up still at that point. Mets are a disaster. Padres were doing bad. The Reds are the Reds. You're going to do well against them probably regardless in a division series at home. And then, of course, you get the Cubs. So, you know, what they've been able to do, yes, very impressive, amazing story. I, I still don't have faith in them in this clutch game, though, against the Dodgers. I'm right there with you. I do think that, especially if the Dodgers wind up throwing out there someone like a Max Scherzer, that is going to be mm-hmm. very, very difficult, as we do have Danny Burke joining me on the podcast. And then the other race that is really intriguing that we're seeing right now, you've got a couple of them. Obviously, the National League West is still up for grabs. You still could wind up seeing the Philadelphia Phillies get into the NL East, but it's highly unlikely that either of those division leaders wind up dropping back and wind up not winning the division. But when you take a look at the American League wildcard, it is going to be fascinating to see what happens because the Toronto Blue Jays find themselves one game out of that second spot in the wildcard, and they control their own destiny because they've got a three-game set that's going to be starting up on Tuesday against the New York Yankees. And you could sort of correlate this with odds to be able to make the postseason along with who winds up taking the series. Because if the Yankees wind up taking two of three, that pretty much knocks the Blue Jays out of the postseason. If the Blue Jays are able to win this series, they're in prime position to be able to make the postseason. So you've got massive implications. They're going to be going down north of the border this week. Big time. And this is what it's all about, right? This is the excitement of the end of the regular season, getting these clutch games right at the wire, the two teams that it matters for most. Look, Greg, I mean, you know, there was the point where we were just absolutely, you know, we, we, we were done with the Yankees, right? We're like, this overrated. Why did anyone think they can make the playoffs? They spent all this money. Why are they doing that at the trade deadline? But then they got on their hot streak, and they've been playing very, very well. But then come the Blue Jays, who have just been incredible. I mean, they're beasts offensively, just on an absolute tear this month. And it seems hard to go against the hotter team relatively in Toronto than the Yankees. But again, you know, this is a home series uh, for New York, if, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, a game and a half back to win two out of three seems like a tall order. 
I'm not rushing to bet anything with the playoffs. I think you take this game by game, Greg. I think you see how these pitching matchups are going to stand out against each other and where you could kind of jump in in that angle as opposed to sweating it out with the Blue Jays where, again, it's going to be a tall order and then, you know, laying the price in terms of betting the Yankees. So I think for me, this is a game-by-game type of betting atmosphere here, and it's going to be fun, and maybe it's still going to be hard enough to decide who to bet, but I think that may be your best route unless you disagree with me and you're, you know, completely all in on the Blue Jays. And, of course, you know, go ahead and take that instead of going the game-by-game. But, again, you know, I I think that's probably the best route when it gets down to this very – close end and honestly too greg and i'm sure you speak to this a lot you know it's obviously virtually a playoff game right so this is a great opportunity to look at those totals and as good as these offenses are going to be playing tighter going to be playing close knit and going to need everything out of the pitching the unders could be a smart route for betting the totals as well i'm right there with you and when it comes to betting futures at this point i do feel like a lot of the value is gone unless if you think that the St. Louis Cardinals go all the way and win the World Series or something ridiculous like that because you just take a look at the futures board. Other than the Cardinals and the Blue Jays, you've really got all these teams are in line for the postseason at 20 to 1 or lower. You can take a look at a team like the New York Yankees at 13 to 1. If you think that they're going to be able to win the World Series, and you want to have a little bit of added protection, I would just go with the rollover mentality of being able to bet the postseason at this point where you wind up putting your standard one unit that you put on a futures ticket and say you put it on the money line of the New York Yankees if they do wind up making that one-game wild card, and then you just roll it over and roll it over in every single one of the series, especially if you're liking like the LA Dodgers, which currently at DraftKings is plus 330, the Astros at plus 450, something like this, just because you get that added protection if there winds up being like an injury in the rotation, if you wind up having that. And at the same time, if you just don't like the matchup that you're getting, you're able to walk away from the table with your winnings if, say, the Astros wind up making it to the World Series and you don't like the fact that they're going up against, say, the Dodgers. Yeah, I honestly think that's the right call too, Greg. I think this is going to be very tough to gauge in terms of betting long-term here, and it may just be smarter to go with the rollover and take it that game-by-game basis. We've talked about this American League especially, Greg, and it was always so top-heavy, right? I mean, we had the Astros, we had the White Sox, but... You know, now you see the Rays having a little bit more confidence in terms of the betting odds when you get the Rays in some places at about plus 550, say at Bed Rivers, White Sox are plus 750. And honestly, there are some concerns with Chicago, but that doesn't mean they don't have the potential to still get to that spot. So I'm kind of with you, you know, in. I I think both sides are deep enough to where I wouldn't want to take the top team in the Dodgers and the Astros. I think you had to ask me from a top team, you know, you go with the Astros because you get a little bit better value. And I don't think the American League is as deep as the National League right now. I know it's the tide's been turning toward the latter half of the season where you don't want to make that argument as much. But, you know, the Dodgers are still, you know, behind San Francisco. The Giants are still a team that's relatively underrated. The Brewers have fantastic pitching. And, you know, although I don't necessarily trust the Braves per se to make it deep, they still have enough offensive talent. And, you know, the Cardinals I'm not having too high hopes on. So it's a little bit different now. And I don't think the value's there with the Dodgers. So, yeah, I'm with you, my man. I, I think you take this game by game unless you're going – 
with a farther shot down the list. But if you're looking to do more of the top teams like the Dodgers or the Astros or even the Rays, I, I think you wait and take it by that game-by-game -game basis and feel it out because it's baseball. Something wonky always happens in the postseason, and this year feels like something could happen even more so than prior seasons. And you not only get that added protection, but if you wind up having the Dodgers go into the one-game wild card, which we're seeing right. right now, they wind up being, say, even just like even a minus 225 favorite against the St. Louis Cardinals, something like that. If you just roll it over every time, you're still going to get better than plus 330 odds if they do wind up winning the World Series as well. So you've just got a lot of aspects that it makes all the sense in the world. As we do have Danny Burke of VEASAN joining me on the podcast. And Danny, as we know, this Monday is relatively light. This was a day in which the MLB set aside for makeup games. And we actually did wind up seeing a couple of rainouts that wound up going down last weekend. One of these Chicago teams are going to be in action. You got the White Sox on the road against the Detroit Tigers. And I can tell you right now, I've been souring on the White Sox a little bit, especially when Dallas Keuchel takes them out. Mm -hmm. We're right now seeing in between a minus 158 to a minus 165 favorites. Now, are the White Sox overall a better team than the Detroit Tigers? Yes, but you take a look at the White Sox, and they've been right around 500 on the road. This is a Tigers team that they've actually been well above 500 ever since the All-Star break as well. They've been playing some good baseball. Matt Manning is not necessarily their best pitcher, but I do take a look at the spot for Monday, and I think that there's some good value here on the Tigers between plus 145 to plus 150. Greg, I couldn't agree more. You're 100% right here. I mean, you know, what are the White Sox vying for at this point? You know, I mean, they have pretty much everything solidified. They obviously have the division solidified as of this point. They're going to be at the top, and they have their spot in the playoffs. And even more so to that, like you mentioned, Dallas Keuchel has been so volatile and unreliable to me as, as I've been betting this MLB season. I've only been fading him, if anything. I can't recall if I bet on him this year. If I did, it was at the very beginning of this season, Greg. But there's no way I would trust him in a, in a game that they're trying to win, let alone one where they don't have as much incentive to play for when they're on a road against a Tigers team that has been somewhat competitive in some spots. And again, you're right, just the pure value here and how they've struggled on the road. I think the value is absolutely with Detroit. Am I running to bet it? Not per se, but I do like that as a good underdog spot here. And that's also kind of, you know, the beauty of betting this late in the MLB season because the public still sees, you know, the White Sox playing the Tigers and they go, oh, that should be an easy win for Chicago. No, 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 not when it's Dallas Keuchel and not when it's his White Sox team on the road that really doesn't have anything to play for. So I completely agree with you. If I'm betting it, it's Detroit or nothing. And with the White Sox, they are 2-9 and nine in Keuchel's last 11 starts, and they're 0-2 when Keuchel pitches on the road against Detroit this year. So that is something that is coming to mind. And then the other big game that we really have for Monday is going to be the Oakland A's and the Seattle Mariners because you've actually got a Seattle Mariners team that they're two games out of that American League wildcard. We talked about how the Blue Jays versus the Yankees series is going to be a big one. Well, this for Seattle is do or die. If they're able to get a sweep of the Oakland A's, they're right in this thing because they're going to have the LA Angels coming up in the final series of the season. So this is everything for the Seattle Mariners, and you're seeing a relative pick em line here. I'm seeing the Mariners anywhere between about a minus 105 to a minus 110 with Chris Flexen on the mound going up against Cole Irvin of the Oakland A's. And the Mariners have just flat out owned the Oakland A's. They're coming off mm -hmm. a four-game sweep of them last week in Oakland. And with Cole Irvin, three-plus runs given up in seven out of his last eight starts. I know that Sometimes you have to go to the mentality of, oh, the team is, and I quote, due for one. I've never subscribed to it personally. I'm going to be taking a look at the Seattle Mariners here. Not sure how you're gauging this one, but Chris Flexen has been pretty darn at home, and I think that he gets the job done once again. 
I like that you brought that up, you know, the philosophy of their do for one, because I've been a guy who's never really subscribed to that too, although it's been in the back of my head after I've lost one before, and then I go, okay, what was the reason I shouldn't have bet it? And you go, well, baseball is a game of ups and downs, and, you know, again, you know, you're not going to win every game, and they are going to be due for a loss, but that doesn't mean it should absolutely scare you away from a line, and especially in a spot like this to where, yeah, the Mariners have done very well, but Again, they're in a little bit better position than Oakland. They've been a more trustworthy team as of this point, frankly. And I have bet these teams playing, I feel like, a handful of times this season. I've gone back and forth in terms of winning and losing. I have no read on it. I think I, I always feel like I just missed the handicap or, you know, I'm on the opposite side of it. It's never been enough conviction or confidence where it's like, no, I know who's going to win this game in this series between these two teams. It's so tough to judge for me. But if I do, you know, the old saying, gun to my head, if I did have to play one, it's got to be the Mariners too, Greg. I'm with you here. And again, they just, they've been owning Oakland. And Oakland is much talent as they have, and more so than the Mariners, if we're being realistic on paper, they just cannot put it together consistently. And the Mariners, again, it, it's something weird. If I try to bet against them, they always make it closer, find a way to win. So I think I'm not going to touch this game with the 10-foot pole. But if I'm going to bet it, I agree. I think the value here is with Seattle, who's in a little bit better position. And obviously, Oakland needs to win it too. But Seattle has a more realistic chance of finding themselves in the postseason and it starts by beating Oakland at home I agree with you I do think that they've got a realistic shot of being able to pull off some wins and being able to make the postseason but what's even more realistic is Danny Burke delivering a good interview because he does so every single time he joins this podcast you do great work over there with the Vegas Ads and Information Network you do rush hour over there I know you're a part of now the city cast that we're doing over there with the Vegas Ads and Information Network you do the show bet on Chicago every Saturday as well so you're a man that you're doing a great job of holding it down in the Midwest so let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and just everything that you've got going on in general well I appreciate the kind words Greg I know you're a workhorse yourself you're killing it per usual but yeah you could follow me on Twitter at Danny Burke 5 as you alluded to on my main show Rush Hour Monday through Friday 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time live out of the Bed River Sportsbook here just outside of Chicago so you can catch that on VEASAN and many other outlets. And then, like you also mentioned, the Chicago CityCast. We partnered up with Bed Rivers. We have them in many cities. But basically, it's just a local betting perspective. So if you want to check out my most recent episode, you will be hearing me scream about Matt Nagy and this Bears offense that has just been abysmal. So you get all that content. Then, of course, bet on Chicago once a week on WLS uh, 890 AM out here in the Windy City as well, my man. Yep, everyone was very, very quick to anoint Justin Fields as being the greatest <laughs> thing since Sid Luckman. I was so <laughs> that I wound up fading the Chicago Bears. I went out v and I asked, why are we doing this? And rookie quarterbacks in the NFL on week three, they went 0-5 straight up and against the spread. So Jeez. if you're looking for a hot NFL trend, there you go. You got it right here on a baseball betting podcast. And a man <laughs> that covers a little bit of everything does so, so well. Danny, he does absolutely terrific work over there at VEASAN. His show Rush Hour is top-notch, and he's always top-notch when he joins this podcast as well. So, big thanks to him for joining me right here on the Baseball Winning Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time the podcast to give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Sunday. And a little something like call, coach them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. 
Danny Burke does a terrific job over there at Visa, and he does a great job holding down with Rush Hour every Monday through Friday. That is afternoon slash evenings, depending on what part of the country you're in. He does the CityCast over there with the Vegas Hats and Information Network and Bet Rivers, and he's also doing a great job on Bet on Chicago as well. So, big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Monday, and a little something like call. Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GRNSquarty1. Really, the only game that we might wind up seeing changes on is the first one that we're going to be hitting as we've got a relatively light slate today, only five games, and we were supposed to get two before there wound up being a nice little bit of a rainout, so we got a little bit lucky there, but with that said, we're going to be going National League games first, then the American League games. We do not have any interleague game, so going to be a nice, clean, easy slave for us there. And we do start with the only game that's off the board at 9.51, 9.52 on the betting board. The Cincinnati Reds, yes, we are on to Cincinnati. They're going to be playing out the Pittsburgh Pirates. Right now, we've got a to-be-determined pitcher for the Pirates. Going to be a bullpen game. Meanwhile, Riviera San Martin is going to be going for the Reds. This is one of which, if it would be Keller versus San Martin, I'm going to be setting the Reds at minus 173 with a total of 9.6 or so 9.5 for Laura. I'm going to be taking a look at the over a 10 or higher. I'm going to be taking a look at the under. For San Martin, he's been a relatively highly touted prospect for quite a while. If you take a look between his double A and triple A numbers, right around a 332 ERA. He wound up having a little bit of a struggle out there at the triple A level, but what he does a good job of is keeping the ball in the yard. Right around .7 home runs per nine innings, give it up at the triple A level. Right around two and a half walks per nine innings this year as well with 10 strikeouts per nine, so he's able to do a relatively solid job there. You also take a look at the Pirates. They want to be using David Bernard, Jason Shreve out of the bullpen yesterday, so left with guys like Cody Ponce and company. You take a look at this Pittsburgh Pirates lineup. It is not great to say the least. You've got Wilmer Defoe, Cabrian Ace, and Colin Moran all in between about a 252, a .265 you're able to throw in there. Ben Gamble is just below that as well. But then you've got the slugs. You've got Martin Perez, Hoy Park, Anthony Alford, Kevin Newman. So many guys hitting at 225 or lower. You take a look at Cole Tucker. He's hitting right around 220. Now, I will say Yoshi Satsugo, ever since coming over, he's been able to do a relatively solid job. He's been able to supply eight home runs in 35 games. He's hitting nearly a 300 for this Pittsburgh Pirates team. But then you take a look at the flip side for the Reds. They still have, I believe, a ghost of a shot of being able to make the postseason. They've relatively played their way out of it. But they do have quite a few guys. They're doing a good job of being able to match for the team. We've got a pair of guys with 30-plus home runs in Nick Cassianos along with Joey Votto. I recognize that Votto has been a little bit banged up these last few days, but you've been able to get some good production out of Jonathan India at the leadoff spot. He, along with Tyler Stevenson, you're able to throw in there Cassianos and Votto. All at least a 360 on base. You've had Kyle Farmer be able to hit 260 for this punch. Tucker Barnard has been able to do a good job at the country spot now. They have had to lend some starts to guys like Jose Barrero and company out there in the outfield due to their injuries to guys like Jesse Winker and company, but I do take a look at this Reds bullpen, and they've actually been in the top six with regards to ERA over the last 30 days. Guys like a Luis Sessa, you're able to throw in there Michael Gibbons. They've been very good out of the bullpen for this bunch, so I take a look at this spot. A 9.5 or lower going to be taking a look at the over and a 10 or higher. Going to be taking a look at the under, and with Mr. Sam Martin and what he wound up showing at the minor league level, Sediment's right around a minus 173 favorite and a minus 105 if they're laying a run and a half with the Reds. 953-954 on the bank board. The Washington Nationals are on the road facing off against the Colorado Rockies. Urban Marquez is going to be going for the Rockies. Josiah Gray is going to be going for the Washington Nationals. Nationals are finding themselves as sizable underdogs. Anywhere between plus 155 and a plus 163. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Colorado Rockies, anywhere between minus 172 and minus 180. This 
11 and a half is all over the place when it comes to the turtle. The under is anywhere between minus 123 and minus 105, and the over is anywhere between plus 103 and minus 115. So you got a lot of juice movement there. I wound up setting the total at an 11.4, so I'm going to be going barely under with Josiah Gray. He has been able to rate it in a little bit more recently, but he wound up having a very rough stretch before his last start against the Miami Marlins in Miami, one of the more pitcher-friendly ballparks in all of baseball. As he wound up giving up five-plus runs in his previous four starts prior to that. All those starts wound up going over, and the Nationals in all of those starts wound up giving up seven-plus runs. Now they have to go to Colorado and face off against Rocky Sima, which they've got the best home batting average in all of baseball. You've got a guy in C.J. Crone who's been able to slug out 27 home runs so far this year. 18 of them have come at home, make it 19 with his home run yesterday. Brandon Rogers, he's sitting right around 285 overall. You've had Trevor Story hit right around the Mendoza line on the road at home. That's closer to a 300. You've got so many guys that have these very distinct home and road splits. And a Colorado Rockies bullpen that has been relatively solid when they've been at home. Someone like a Daniel Bart when he's at home. His ERA is relatively solid because he's got a home ERA that hovers right in the neighborhood of about 3 on the road as like an 8-5. It's absolutely ridiculous. Lucas Gilbreth has a sub-3 ERA whenever he is at home as well. And then you take a look at Armand Marquez. Throughout his career, he has been a pitcher that has actually been better on the road than at home, but this year it's been the exact opposite. 349 home ERA, 538 road ERAs, 8-2 in his 17 starts at home, giving up 9 home runs and 98 innings, and opponents are a 209 off of him, so he has been very dominant. Then you take a look at the Washington Nationals, and got a couple guys in the bullpen in Kyle Finnegan, along with someone even like Ryan Harper, who will be able to give you a couple solid innings. Andres Machado has an ERA that is hovering right around 3-8, nothing great, nothing terrible, but you're looking at guys like John Romero giving you a couple innings. Austin Voth has an ERA of a 5-6, and you just take a look at Voth over the last 30 days. He's got a 10-24 ERA. It has not been going well for him, to say the least, but with Washington Nationals, you do have some offense with this team. You got a pair of guys that are able to slug out 27 plus home runs and Juan Soto long Josh Bell and for Soto. 471 on base. He's been so good for this poopy Washington Nationals team that he's actually number three in a lot of betting markets when it comes to MVP. Lane Thomas, he's been able to ride around 300 for the Washington Nationals. You've seen a couple guys like a Yadier Hernandez whenever he's out there be able to do a solid job hitting a 275 LCDs Escobar hitting a 280. But I do take a look at this and the Colorado Rockies actually have a top four win percentage in the National League at home on the road. It's been a little bit more rocky for the Rockies, but I do feel like they should be north of a $2 favorite in this spot. I want up saying the Rockies on the run line as north of a minus 130 personally, so I'm getting them right now at even money. I'm going to take that all day long. And like I said, set this hole just below 11.5 because I think that Irma Marquez is going to give a good start. So going under along that Rockies run line, and 55-956 on the betting board. The Chicago White Sox with the run face-off against the Detroit Tigers. Matt Manning is going to be going for the Tigres. Meanwhile, you've got Dallas Keuchel on the bump for the White Sox. The Southsiders find themselves as favorites of anywhere between a minus 158 and a minus 165. Meanwhile, your plus price with the Tigres is anywhere between plus 144 and plus 150. 9.5 is your total with the over and under both at minus 110. And for Matt Manning, it has not necessarily been the world's greatest year for him, but he's got some very distinct home and road splits while our good friend Alice Keiko, we were talking about this with Danny Burke, he just has not been good overall. Let's take a look at Manning first. He's got a 573 ERA overall, but 437 ERA at home, 767 ERA. 
ERA on the road. He's given up four home runs in 45 and a third innings at home. Now, opponents are hitting right around 264 off of him, and his walks per nine rate at home, that's right around a 4.2. So you do certainly have your negatives there, but you take a look at Dallas Keuchel, and this guy is just giving up bombs right now. I mean, it is really bad. He has made four starts here in the month of September. He's given up two runs in his previous two starts, but he got really lucky to give up only two runs in his last start. That was ironically enough that game against the Detroit Tigers, in which you wound up seeing it be 5-3, to three and the teams combined for 28 hits. Yeah, he was a starter in that when He's got a 641 ERA this month. He had a 743 ERA in the month of August, a 626 ERA in the month of July as well. I mean, this guy, ever since really the summer months have began, he has been getting just absolutely tattooed. He's only given up one home run in his last four starts, but he has been giving up contact upon contact. He has given up at least six hits in each out of his last six starts. This is just a guy that I want absolutely no part of. He's given up at least five runs in now four out of his last six starts. Now, the bullpen of the White Sox is starting to look very solid. Aaron Bummer has been able to come along for the ride, giving you some good innings. Ryan Tapera is someone that I like. Craig Kimbrell along with William Hendricks. These guys are able to do the job, but with Kimbrell along with Hendricks, these guys have been used up quite a bit in recent days, so they might not be available in this one. You do have a lineup that is relatively solid. All three of these guys are hitting approximately a 265. Jose Abreu, Lurie Garcia, Yo Moncada. Moncada right around a 377 on base for Mr. Abreu. 113 RBI, second in the league. He hasn't necessarily been able to hit the home runs recently, but he wound up having 10 in the month of August. Eli Menes sitting about at 245. He's got some good pop in the bat. And how about Yasmani Grandal? Ever since coming off the injured list, he's been able to hit right around a 340. He's got eight home runs in 76 at bat, so he certainly has been able to do a good job for this bunch. You've even been able to get a little bit of something out of Cesar Hernandez whenever he's been in the fold, and then you take a look at the flip side for the Detroit Tigers, and power has no doubt been lacking for this team. They have scored approximately one run in two of their last three games, but you take a look at what they were doing the last time these two teams wound up squaring off in Detroit, and they wound up taking both of those games. You don't necessarily have a lot of home run power with the team at this point, as we've noticed Eric Cos, Jonathan Scope, along with Robbie Grossman. All these guys have between 20 and 24 home runs. They've been in a funk with that, but you still, you've got Jonathan Scope hitting about it right around at 275, along with Jamir Candelario. You've been able to get Harold Castro hitting at 280 for this bunch. And they've got a lot of guys like an Akil Badu, Miguel Cabrera, you're able to throw in their scope with right around 320 on base. So they're able to do a good job of playing station-to-station baseball. And for the Detroit Tigers, you've got a bunch of which they've been able to do a good job out of the bullpen as well. Kyle Funkhauser has brought the funk for you. Michael Fulmer has an ERA right around three now. They're dealing with injuries to Gregory Soto along with Jose Cicero, but Drew Hutchinson has given you a buck 50 ERA, so I do think that the Tigers are going to be able to get the job done, and this is a spot in which I think that the Tigers are going to be able to bust out with the bats. I wound up sending this total at a 9.6, so I'm going to be looking at an over in this spot because of the fact that the last start in which Dallas Keiko wound up having against the Detroit Tigers going under, I feel like, was a little bit of a fluke. And I'm going to be taking the plus price with the Tigers. I was really willing to take anything north of a plus 125 as we move on to 957, 958 on the bank board. The Oakland A's hit the road to face off against the Seattle Mariners. Chris Flexen is going to be going for the Mariners. My New York Post play of the day. And Cole Irvin is on the bump for the Oakland A's. A's are a very slight underdog in this spot. Anywhere between minus 110 to plus 101. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Mariners, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 111, your total on this game is 8.5. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. Make the New York Post play of the day. The Seattle Mariners, as I wound up saying them, more around a minus 130 favorite. You just take a look at Cole Irvin, and I mentioned it with Danny Burke, the fact that he's given up three plus runs in seven out of his last eight starts. He has not been good for this bunch. Meanwhile, 
well in Flexen's last eight starts. The Seattle Mariners have been able to win six of them. He has been rock solid at being able to keep the ball in the yard at home. And keep in mind, he wound up having very demonstrative home and road splits to begin the year. He's been a little bit better recently on the road, but you take a look at him at home. 309 ERA. He's given up five home runs at 87 and a third innings. He's given up three runs or fewer in nine out of his last 10 starts. This is a Seattle Mariners bunch that they find themselves right in the thick of the wildcard hunt at this point. Now, the batting average of a lot of these Seattle Mariners is not great, but you've got Ty France hitting at 290. Ever since he's come over from the Astros, Abraham Toro has been hitting more in the neighborhood of about a 270-ish. J.P. Crawford is in that fold as well. And then you got Mitch Hanniger along with Kyle Seager. Both of these guys have given you between 34 and 35 home runs each. Now, with Seager, you're able to throw in there Jake Fraley, Orde Mamalois, Tom Murphy, Cal Raleigh, Jared Gelnick, Jake Bowers, Dylan Moore. The list goes on and on. Of guys, they're going to get 220 or lower for this bunch, but they seem to find a way. Lewis Torrance is able to give you a little bit of something as well. Then you take a look at this Oakland A's bunch, and they were able to squeak out a couple nice games against the Houston Astros, be able to get themselves online after getting swept by the Seattle Mariners. They were able to sweep the Houston Astros, but this is still a bullpen that going into yesterday over the last three days, a 549 ERA that was 28th out of 30 MLB teams. Lou Trevino wound up getting used up yesterday. You've noticed Sergio Romo really falling back to the pack. Jake Diekman wound up having a rough series against the Seattle Mariners last week. Now, you've got quite a few guys with at least a 345 on base. Josh Harrison, the Marte Parte of Starling Marte, Mark Hanna, Tony Kemp, Matt Olson, and for Matt Olson, he's been absolutely incredible for this offense. 38 home runs, north of 100 RBI. You've got the Marte Parte, who's done a great job of swiping bases all year long, right around 44-45 steals. And then you've got Matt Chapman, who's only hitting a 214 for the season, but you take a look at the power numbers, and this is with some time on the injured list. 13 home runs ever since the beginning of the month of August, so he's been able to pick it up there. He's been in a little bit of a funk when it comes to batting average recently, but his on-base percentage has actually been rock solid. Seth Brown has been able to give you a couple bombs along Sean Murphy as well. Both of these guys, along with Jed Lowry, between 14 and 16 home runs, so a little bit of an intriguing spot, but you take a look at this Mariners bullpen. You've been having all these guys firing on all cylinders. Casey Sadler is right around a 1 ERA second rider has been highly reliable. We've noticed that Paul Seawald has had his ups and downs recently, but he has been able to get the job done. But I take a look at this spot. I feel like the Mariners should be more like a right around a minus 130 favorite. So making the New York Post play of the day, the Seattle Mariners also wound up saying this all at 8.8. So going over along that New York Post play of the day of the Mariners money line, and we wrap things up with 959-960 on the betting board. The Kansas City Royals hit the road face off against the Cleveland Indians. We're not going to be able to call them the Indians for too much longer, but Cal Quantrill is going to be making the start for the future Guardians. Meanwhile, Jackson Cower is going to be going for the Royals. Your total on this game is anywhere between 9 and 9.5 and on the 9. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 125. That makes the under anywhere between plus 105 and minus 115. So, we are a little bit all over the place there. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the 9.5, under is minus 120 and the over is even with the Indians. You're going to be getting them anywhere between minus 150 and minus 157 and your plus price with the Royals is anywhere between a plus 139 and a plus 147 for Cower. It is not been going well for him at the major league level. At the minor league level, he was relatively solid, but you can tell that this is a Royals bunch that they just want to get his feet wet. Hope that he's able to build off of something because he's got an 11.45 ERA in his seven total appearances, and he's given up at least five runs in each out of his last three appearances. He wound up going six innings, giving up six runs to the Baltimore Orioles. Gave up five runs in an inning to the Oakland A's. Somehow, some way, the team was able to pull out the win in that one, by the way. That's no credit to him whatsoever. And then they wind up having him give up five runs in four innings against the Seattle Mariners. That was an L. He's given up five home runs in 22 innings. His walks per nine rate is right around an eight. It has just been very sour, to say the least. Meanwhile, you take a look at Cal Quantrill, and this guy is rocking and rolling. He has given up one earned 
earned run or fewer in four out of his last five starts, and you're able to extend it even further. This man has given up more than one earned run twice ever since the All-Star break. It is absolutely insane what we are seeing. I should strike that. You've got three starts in which he has done that over his last 13 starts. He has given up one earned run or fewer in 10 of them. He has given up two earned runs or fewer in 11 of them. Yeah, he's been pretty darn good. He wound up having a little bit of a rough start to the year, but home, road, planet Pluto, he's been pitching really well. You take a look at the Cleveland Indians bullpen. You've got Emmanuel Classe. You've been able to get some good innings out of Blake Parker. He's got right around a 2-6-ish ERA. Nick Wickren has certainly has had his ups and his downs so far this year. You take a look at him. Over the last three days, he's got an 838 ERA, so that has been a little bit tough, but at the same time, even someone like Justin Garza has been able to give you a couple innings. And for the Kansas City Royals, what I do give them credit with is that they've got a top eight bullpen ever since the All-Star break. Domingo Tapia has been able to do a good job. Josh Shamont wound up getting used up yesterday, but Jake Brent, Scott Barlow, these guys have been able to come in and get the job done. But for the Royals, this is a bunch of which they have been scuffling up offense as they have scored four runs or fewer in now each out of their last five games. And if you want to go back a little bit further, they have scored four runs or fewer in I believe now seven out of their last nine games. But with that said, we do know about Salvador Perez. How about him with north of 110 RBI, 46 home runs. He, along with Whit Merrifield and Andrew Benatendi, only between about a 272-280, you're able to throw in there Kyle Isbell as well. You've got Anser Alberto doing a good job of getting on base whenever he's out there. Adalberto Mondesi is hitting a 250. Nicky Lopez hitting above a 300. Really outside of Paris, you don't have a lot of pop, especially with Carlos Santana only having right around a 215 batting average. But on the flip side, you do have a Cleveland Indians team that I think is going to be able to touch up Mr. Cower in this spot because you've got a pair of guys with at least 30 home runs. You've got Fran Reyes along with Jose Ramirez who will be able to do a great job of that. And you've got a lot of guys on this team that are hitting sort of in that neighborhood of a 252 as high as a 268 with Mr. Jose Ramirez as you're able to throw in there. Harold Ramirez, Fran Reyes, you've got someone in... Miles Straw, who's been hitting in that neighborhood as well, but with the Indians, Miles Straw has actually been hitting closer to a 290, so you give him a little bit of credit. Now, you do need a little bit more out of a few of these guys. Someone like a Yu Chang, you're able to throw in there Bobby Bradley, Daniel Johnson. These guys are in between about a 215 to a 230, and then Andres Jimenez, Owen Miller, Austin Edges, Roberto Perez. These guys are in below a 215, but I do like the bullpen of the Cleveland Indians. I think that core is going to just get absolutely destroyed. Once he gets out of the game, I do think that the bullpen is going to do a relatively solid job, and I think that Cal Quantrill is just going to continue to roll in this spot. I want to say the Cleveland Indians, as closer to a $2 favorite in this spot, I feel like Quantrill has been one of the most mispriced pitchers in all baseball recently. If you're looking at the run line of the Indians, getting that between a plus 115, even as high as plus 125. So I'm going to be taking the plus price with the Indians. I was one to lay a price. I also said this all at 8.7. So we're going to be diving under and I'm going to be going with the Indians on the run line. And that'll wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Monday. A big thanks to our good friend Danny Burke of Beeson for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe wherever you hear podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, you have one of two ways we all fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Going to be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.